Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. God has a purpose for your life. God is working all things together for good, and that good is God's purpose. And what is that purpose that all things are working together for? Let me give you a hint. It's not a full bank account. It is not a successful career. There is one thing God is working all things together for, and that is to make you like His Son, Jesus Christ. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Do you remember having a role model when you were growing up? Maybe it was a teacher, somebody in your church, or an historical figure. We all have people we look up to and admire, but today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress reminds us that there's one person who rises above them all. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. While it's true that Pathway to Victory started out as a radio program, we've become much more than that. Our program is viewed all around the world on television. And in addition to our media ministry, we've also become a trusted source for reliable Bible study tools. Today, I'm pleased to announce that we're also the publisher of a periodical. When you get in touch today, you can request your complimentary copy of Pathway Magazine. Every page of this publication is designed to advance and inspire your spiritual walk. Now, this isn't a newsletter. It's a full-color magazine. And your first copy of Pathway Magazine is my gift to you by going to ptv.org. Now, our subject all this month is focused on 10 core beliefs, doctrines, if you will, for standing strong in a shifting world. And for very good reason. For the Christian, it's critically important to remain on solid ground. In my new book called What Every Christian Should Know, I help you understand 10 unshakable truths that will inform the way you interact with our world. 10 chapters about 10 essential doctrines that will keep your feet on solid ground. And a hardbound copy of what every Christian should know is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. David will give all our contact information later in the program, so be prepared to jot that down. But right now, let's give our attention to Romans chapter 8. I titled today's message, What Every Christian Should Know About Christ Likeness. Today, as we continue looking at the 10 historic beliefs of Christianity, we've come to that ninth pillar of truth, what every Christian should know about Christ-likeness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Uh, there is a word for Christ-likeness in theology. It's called sanctification. And on your outline, I've given you a definition of sanctification. It's the process by which God molds our actions, attitudes, and affections to resemble Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 8 begins with a promise, verse 28. And here's the promise. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. This is probably the most loved but most misunderstood promise in all of the Bible. Well, then what is this promise? There is a promise of a purpose that's found in verse 29. 
all things are working together for good. What is the good all things are working together for? Look at verse 29. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brethren. This promise is a promise that, first of all, God has a purpose for your life. God is working all things together for good, and that good is God's purpose. And what is that purpose that all things are working together for? There is one thing God is working all things together for, and that is to make you like his son, Jesus Christ, to conform you to the image of his son. That's sanctification. You see, the Bible says God had a son. His name was Jesus. And God absolutely delighted in his son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And God decided he loved his son Jesus so much, he didn't want to have just one child. He wanted to have many children, many men and women who looked just like Jesus, who had the same devotion to him that Jesus did. And that's what God is doing right now. He's creating a group of people who are conformed to the image of his son. God has a purpose for your life, and you'll never understand your life until you understand that purpose. Now, we've seen the purpose of sanctification to mold us into the image of Christ. Let's talk about the process of sanctification. How does God make us like Christ? You know, somebody has said, justification is the work of the moment but sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Justification, remember, is what happens when we trust in Christ as our Savior. But sanctification, the process by which we become like Christ, starts the moment of our salvation, and it continues until the day of our death. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, how does this process work? Exactly who's responsible for making me like Christ? Well, first of all, we have a responsibility. Galatians 5, 16 says, but I say to you, you walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Or Ephesians 4, 22, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Or Colossians 3, 8, we'll look at in a moment. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, and so forth. We have a responsibility in our sanctification. But God has a responsibility as well. Those who try to do this in their own strength will be unsuccessful. Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. So is it my responsibility or God's responsibility? It is a joint responsibility, our sanctification. God alone can save us, but we and God together cooperate to make us more like Christ. We don't have time to look at it, but in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5, you see a great illustration of that. Peter says that by God's divine power, he has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness and made us partakers of the divine nature. And then in verse 5, he says... And for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, you supply moral excellence, you supply knowledge, and so forth and so forth. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life, to become like Jesus, but you have to supply some of the effort. You know, you see that so well illustrated in Romans chapter 6. Paul has talked about how the spirit of 
God that raised Jesus from the dead is working in our life, and we are no more a prisoner of sin than we choose to be. Sin has no more power over us than we choose to allow it to have. And that's why he says in Romans 6, 12, and 13, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. God has given you the power. You've got to supply the effort. You know what he's saying when he says, quit presenting the parts of your body for sin? Let's get real practical. He's saying, Stop filling your eyes with pornographic images from the internet, from television, from movies, and start filling your eyes with the truth of God's Word. Stop using your tongue to tear down and criticize other people. Use your tongue to build up and edify others. Stop allowing your feet to take you to places you shouldn't be, and instead allow your feet to take you to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got all the power you need but you must take action. Quit using your body as instruments for sin. Use them as instruments of service to God. This responsibility between God and us for our sanctification is something that's so important if we're going to realize God's purpose for our life. Let me give you a practical illustration of that. When I was in my last church, we had a historic sanctuary before we built our new sanctuary, just like we have here. And when we were in our old sanctuary, it was a beautiful sanctuary, but it had white carpet everywhere. Can you imagine putting white carpet in a sanctuary? But they really kept it in pristine condition, and it was beautiful, and they were rightly proud of their sanctuary. Well, one Sunday, I came up to the pulpit, and I took out a Ziploc bag filled with dirt I had gotten from our backyard. And I opened the Ziploc bag, and I poured that dirt all over that white carpet. And there were about three heart attacks that morning in the congregation. <laughs> People couldn't believe I did that. And I said, you know, this dirt represents sin that comes into our life. And I said, I bet you'd like me to clean up this carpet. Yes, yeah, we'd like you to. So I went over to the side and pulled out a vacuum cleaner. And I said, do you think this vacuum cleaner is sufficient to pick up the dirt? They wore it back, yes. I said, let me show you why I'm wrong. And I started rolling the vacuum cleaner across the dirt, and it did nothing. And it was obvious why it did nothing. The power cord was hanging off the side. It wasn't plugged in. I said, why isn't this working? They said, it's not plugged in. Oh, it needs power. Yes, yes. You believe power can take care of this? Yes. So I plug in a cord in the wall socket, and I take the other end of the extension cord. I said, now, there are 120 volts coming through this cord. Let's see how good it is. And I rubbed the end of that cord over the dirt, and it did nothing, obviously. I said, what's the problem? They said, you have to plug it into the vacuum cleaner. Oh, I said, I plugged it in, turned it on, and cleaned up the dirt. I said, that's an illustration of our responsibility with God. Yes, we need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, but that's not enough to clean up our life. We have to exert effort as well. It is God and us together. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. 
That's what sanctification is. Well, we've talked about the purpose of sanctification, to make us like Christ. We've talked about the process. It's God and us together. What is the product of sanctification? How do you know if you're really becoming like Jesus Christ? Turn to Colossians 3 for just a moment. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on earth. You know, a lot of people read that verse and they think Paul is talking about, think about heaven. Be heavenly minded. We've talked a lot about heaven. There's some upside to thinking about heaven, to preparing for heaven. But when Paul says, set your mind on things above, he's not talking about the things in heaven, the objects in heaven. He's talking about the Christ who is in heaven. That's what he said. Think about the things above where Christ is. And he's talking about specifically set your mind on the kind of life Jesus lived, the qualities that were his so that they can, you can make them yours. You say, where do you get that in this passage? It's the whole rest of the chapter. He keeps talking about taking off old behavior and putting on new behavior. The image there is when Christ died and was buried in that tomb, remember they wrapped him in cloths and they put a face covering on him, yet when the apostles went in on Sunday morning, they saw that he was gone, but those old grave clothes had been left behind, John 20 says. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, remember he had been wrapped in cloth and uh, spices to prevent the decay of the body. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus stumbled out of that tomb and came out there, but he still had those wrappings on him. And what did Jesus say? Unbind him, loose him, and let him go. In other words, he doesn't need those old grave clothes anymore. They stink. They're terrible. Let them go. Take them off and put on some new clothes. Well, Paul is using that image in Colossians 3. He says there's certain behavior we need to lay aside. He says in verse 5, lay aside immorality, impurity, passion. Put them all aside, verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander. Don't lie to one another. Put on the new self, verse 10. And then in verse 12, he tells us some spiritual clothing we ought to put on if we want to look like Jesus Christ. And he mentions six of these characteristics we are to put on. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's kind of like a dipstick you put into the crankcase in your automobile. You can't see all the oil in there, but you put in the dipstick and pull it out to get an idea of what's in there, if it's in good shape or not. It's the same way with our lives. Here are six characteristics of those who are becoming like Jesus Christ. He said, first of all, put on a heart of compassion. A Christ-like person is compassionate. That word compassion, splanknitsomai, means to be moved in the innermost bowels. In spiritual terms, it means to be so moved when you see the need of another person that you meet that need. It's being moved to meet the needs of others around you. If you run into somebody who needs food and clothing and you have the power within you to help them, do it. A compassionate person does that. Maybe somebody you meet at church this morning needs a word of encouragement. Being moved with compassion means you meet that need. That was Jesus' life. In Mark 1, it says, moved with compassion, 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. Compassion, put on a heart of compassion. Secondly, he mentions kindness, kindness, Christotes. It's a word in Greek that refers to wine that is aged over a period of time and lost its bite. It has become mellow. In spiritual terms, to be a kind person means that sometimes you give people what they need rather than what they deserve. You deal on the basis of grace instead of the law. Isn't that how Jesus dealt with us? Titus 3 verses 4 and 5 says, but when the kindness, there's that word, the kindness of God our Father and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Aren't you glad God dealt with you on the basis of grace and not the law? The law says we all deserve eternal death, but he offered us his kindness, his grace instead. You know, in a practical way, we'll do that with other people. Not give them what they deserve, but what they need. Maybe you're a parent and you're trying to teach your teenage child to be responsible with their money and they're working hard, they try to manage their money, but they run into a, an expense on their automobile and they don't have the money. And the law would say, no, you've got to manage your money on your own. You're responsible for that. But you have it in your ability to help your child. The kind thing to do is help when you have the ability to help. That's dealing with people according to what they need and not what they deserve. Thirdly, he says, put on humility. Jesus was a model of humility. Philippians 2 says he didn't hold on to his rights as God, but he let go of them. He came to earth to be our Savior. You know, a real good definition for humility is the realization that any good thing in our life is the result of what God or others have done for us. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. He said, you proud Corinthians, ask yourself a question. What is it that you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Did you know everything that is good in your life or my life is a result of what somebody else has done for us? That someone else may be God, but there is nothing in our life that's good that hasn't been given to us. Oh, well, I'm responsible for you know, my good job. Look, you wouldn't have that job, you wouldn't have that money if God didn't give you the breath of life. If he didn't take care of you while you slept at night and gave you the ability to wake up in the morning and do what you're supposed to do, every good thing comes from God. That's what humility is, the realization that it's a gift. Fourth, he said, put on gentleness. Now, that word gentleness is sometimes translated meekness. Maybe your translation has meekness. And we hate the word meekness, don't we? Because it rhymes with weakness. And we think that's a negative thing. But this word, translated gentleness, actually means power under control. Power under control. Every time I read this word, this isn't very spiritual, but I think of the movie King Kong. Remember King Kong, the giant ape? And there's that great scene when he finally is united with the love of his life, that little blonde girl, and he puts her in the palm of his hand, and it's Fay Ray in the old version, Naomi Watts in the newer version, 
And King Kong takes his giant ape finger and strokes her hair very gently with it. Now, that's power under control. Now, if King Kong doesn't speak to you, here's another example. (laughs) From the Bible. It's not King Kong, it's Jesus. Jesus on the cross in Luke 22, being tortured, being humiliated. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could only have called one angel and obliterated his enemies once and for all. But he kept that power he had under control. And instead, in Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That is gentleness, power under control. Then he speaks of patience. Macrothumeo, it literally means to be long-tempered. Long-tempered. It means to have a long fuse instead of a short fuse. To be long-fused, long-suffering. Not with circumstances. This word is rarely used of circumstances. It's not talking about red lights that don't turn green or long lines at the supermarket. Be long-tempered with other people who wrong you. Galatians 3.13, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint, just as God forgave you, so you should also forgive. And then finally, in verse 14, he mentions the overarching quality that marked the life of Jesus, love. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That's the fountain out of which everything else flows. Love, agape love, self-sacrificing love that cares more about giving than receiving Christ-likeness. It's a daunting challenge, but just think about it. Every interaction we have, every temptation we face, every decision we make is an opportunity for us to reflect Jesus Christ. One of my favorite writers of all time is the late Dallas Willard. He said, the most important thing about us is not what we do, but it's what we become because that is what we will carry with us into eternity. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and our effort, we have the ability to become like Jesus Christ. That's what every Christian should know about Christ-likeness. Becoming more like Christ begins at salvation, but it certainly doesn't stop there. In fact, every single day presents another opportunity to become more like Jesus. To accelerate your spiritual journey, I'd be pleased to send you a book I've written for you. It's the one I wrote to coincide with this teaching series. The full title is What Every Christian Should Know. The subtitle is 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. In this best-selling book, I'm going to help you gain a working knowledge of 10 core beliefs that set our Christian faith apart from any other religion in the world. A hardbound copy of what every Christian should know is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, before I turn things back over to David, I'd like to send a shout-out to our growing family of monthly supporters we call our Pathway Partners. Your consistent month-by-month giving is truly making a difference. For example, I heard recently from Barbara, who listens to our program in Maryland. She wrote, Pathway to Victory is like a breath of fresh air in a world filled with stagnant air. I plan my day so I never miss a message. And then she adds, 
Although my donation is truly a sacrifice for me, I don't mind giving because I want to do whatever possible to help you deliver these messages to a world that badly needs to hear them. Well, thanks so much, Barbara. And now, friends, it's your turn. Would you join Barbara in supporting Pathway to Victory? Go online to ptv.org or give us a call and let us know you'd like to become a Pathway Partner. Your monthly giving enables us to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You can sign up to become a Pathway Partner by visiting ptv.org. And when you give your first monthly partner gift or when you give a generous one-time gift, you're invited to request a copy of the brand new book by Dr. Jeffress called What Every Christian Should Know. Again, go to ptv.org or call 866-999-2965. And when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive the complete collection of audio and video discs for this month's teaching series, What Every Christian Should Know, along with the corresponding study guide. But this opportunity only goes through January 31st, so get in touch with us today. One more time, our phone number, 866-999-2965, or go to ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Hope you have a great weekend. Join us again Monday when Dr. Jeffress takes on the subject of what every Christian should know about the end times, right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.